Welcome to the Abundant Leaders Podcast. I'm Tenji, your host, a certified executive coach and leadership developer with more than a decade of experience advising executives, managers, and companies on how to perform at their peak and find deeper alignment and fulfillment. My dream is for all of us to live in the truth and fullness of who we are so that we can have the biggest lives and most fulfilling careers that are possible for us. It is all possible for us. Together, let us lead ourselves, our people, and our organizations with confidence, courage, and wisdom. This is our time to heal and expand, to thrive, and to lead abundantly. Hi, and thanks again for coming to another episode of the Abundant Leaders podcast. It's so nice having you with me. It is now spring and I have a burst of regenerative energy. And I'm also feeling it in the pod. More and more of you are coming to listen. And I just want to thank each of you for coming back, for tuning in, for supporting the pod. And I'm so grateful and honored that you're getting value out of the podcast. We are new, right? I'm new in the space and it's such a vote of support. And um, it's really encouraging to see that the podcast has been listened to 2,600 times. That's so awesome. (laughs) And, you know, each time I go back and I look at my stats, I'm just seeing more and more people coming back and choosing to follow and hear what I release when it comes out. It's uh, really affirming when my clients come into sessions and say, so what you were saying in your most recent podcast? And I'm like, oh my goodness, I love that you listen to it. So thank you. I just want to shout you all out um, because sometimes it can feel like, you know, you're on the other side of just a voice, but you following you reviewing the podcast, you choosing to share your words with me, whether it is in a review or in an Instagram message to me or a WhatsApp message, creates dialogue and makes me feel like I'm not speaking to the void. So thank you for choosing to do that. Today, I wanted to chat about something that I've been supporting quite a few clients in, which is When you go on a journey of wanting to be more yourself at work, to bring your fullness, your authenticity, your genuine self to the table, it is not always easy, right? And you start discovering as you go on this journey that you may not be in a space that actually supports you to thrive and supports you to be yourself. And it starts asking questions of you, such as, are you in the right role? Is this the right place for you? Is this the right company or sector for you to be in? Should you really be working for someone else or should be working, should you be working for someone else or should you be working for yourself, right? And these are great questions that the universe asks you because the reality is if you're going on a journey where you're returning to yourself, it is going to bring up all the ways in which you haven't been able to be yourself before because the reality is there are different things that contribute to why we don't show up as ourselves at work or in our roles as leaders. It is often either internal challenges or external challenges. And the internal challenges can be things like we don't really 
fully know who we are, right? And we've we've never really done that work to inquire of ourselves, well, what matters to me? You know, what do I want in life? What feels like a meaningful life for me? And how do I find that, right? That's why I created the Discover What Gives You Meaning workshop. And if you're struggling with those questions, I do encourage you to go check out that workshop. But other reasons internally can be, you may have a really great grasp of who you are and what matters to you and the kind of life you want to create but you may lack the confidence in really embodying that space because of a lot of internal blockers right I've spoken about this in earlier episodes I think especially um, I think it was episode two where I said what if finding your purpose doesn't make you happy and I start exploring well you know what kind of stops us from building meaning and gets in the way and Um, those are some of the internal factors, right? I'm not going to try to be exhaustive on that because I'm actually here today to speak about more of the external factors, right? If you've done a lot of personal work on yourself and you're really wanting to show up as you, sometimes your constraints end up being external in your environment where the company or your role or your team situation just don't enable you to really flow in the fullness of your energy or in the authenticity of your power and the way that you add value, the way that you think and move, the way that you authentically communicate. And then you can find yourself either feeling like, A, this is a a pipe dream, right? The idea that I could be myself at work and be really happy is actually a privilege that only some people get to experience. And it's not possible for me to have that or that is for other people who are, uh, you know, the same as this environment and what this environment requires, but I'm different and it's not possible for me, right? Or you can start thinking that um, there's something wrong with you, right? That what's wrong with me that I'm not thriving in this environment? I'm seeing people around me getting ahead, getting opportunities, really being successful with clients, um, being loved by (laughs) the Exco team or the CEO. And for me, the jelling just really isn't happening. And what am I missing? What am I getting wrong here? And sometimes it's actually not you. Sometimes it's actually the environment. So I want to help you to explore that if you have experienced this. And I want to give you some places you can look to discern whether the external environment that you're in is the reason that you're struggling or not. And some of the things that we really need to be mindful of in order to enable ourselves to thrive, right? So the key question that this episode asks is, are you in a place that supports you to thrive? And how do you recognize? What do you need to look for in order to answer that question? And when you get that question, when you get some answers, what next then? You know, what do you do with this? And I'm going to go through a few areas that you can look at to reflect on. And as I list these through, just explore for yourself. Has it always been this way, right? Have I always felt a disconnect with this aspect of alignment or is this something that has emerged, right? As I've become more aware or as I've grown or as my role has changed, as I've become more senior, as um, what is 
required of me to thrive in this space has shifted. So notice a before and after or any themes, right? Do I notice whether it is in certain environments I am in more flow or certain situations and contexts where I am, you know, a lot more effective and successful as myself and in other environments, I'm not so much because the power is in the details. You don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater because you're thinking only of your most painful experience and you're disregarding or failing to notice the experiences where you have been in great flow, where things have actually um, been smooth sailing. And what you really want to try and do is be aware of when you have been in flow, what have been the conditions that supported you to really thrive as yourself? And how can you bring those same conditions into your current environment? Because you have a lot of agency. You can actually shape and influence uh, what your lived experience is if you are deliberate. And if you know what to look for and you know, therefore, what to solve for. You hear me saying, uh, what are you solving for or solving using the term solving for a lot? Because that is the... Um, crux of your agency, right? We unconsciously solve for certain things when we're driven by our narratives, our beliefs, um, uh, you know, the desires that we have, whether they're conscious or unconscious. And then we um, solve for what will bring these things into being for us um, through intentionality and solving, right? And being intentional about creating the life that you want is where your agency lies. That's where your personal power really realizes itself into great outcomes for you. And so as I go through this list, just step back and think about if you've been in a previous role or situation where you actually were in flow in this particular dimension, what can you do to bring more of that into your current paradigm? And if you feel constrained in that, at the end of the episode, I'm going to share some tips that can help you to say, well, therefore, what next, right? If, if I'm unable to bring myself more flow. So let's go into that list and um, just explore, explore the different dimensions that make this up. Number one. Let's look at your company. So we're going to explore four things. I'll just tell you the top down of what those four things are. We're going to look at the company that you work for, the role that you're in, the people, environment and dynamics around you. So the interpersonal aspects and your trajectory in your organization. I've created a, a really cool reflection exercise that has many more factors within each of these buckets. And it has, you know, a few more buckets that I'm not going to go through today because it would just be too much for an episode. If you'd like to explore those additional questions and dimensions, go to the show notes. You'll find a link that you can click on to download this um, self-exploration. And um, you can also explore the Lead Authentically um, workshop that I created because that goes into this in more depth. All right. So let's start with company. 
are you working for a company that is a good fit for you? And the things you want to look at is what type of company is it, right? Is it big or small? Is it B2B or B2C? What stage of its development is it, right? I have clients, I have a client whose company is actually going through a shift. It was very small and then it's acquired a smaller fund. Um, they've done, they've performed very well. <clears throat> within their asset class. It's an investment firm. And so they're expanding and it's time for them to formalize as they get bigger. And while she thrived in the much more un informal environment, it's the question that's now being asked of her is, can you adapt into something that's more formal and structured? You see this a lot with startups that raise Usually once they get to the CEC funding or their pre-IPO, they start really needing to formalize and systematize the way that they're, um, you know, commercializing their product. And this is what I want to talk about why, fine. But at that stage, you find that, you know, leadership teams, they start looking at people who are more seasoned, who've worked more in really big structured environments. The culture starts shifting away from more maverick style leadership to a lot more systematized process focused replicable methods etc and so are you in a company that actually works well with your personality type because if for example using mbti terms um the last dimension of mbti is whether you're a prospector or you're a um judger and prospectors are a lot more fluid and adaptable. They don't really like rigidity and structure. They like kind of the loose open-ended brainstorming and they don't really like structured environments. And so <clears throat> if you are very strong as a prospector, you may struggle in a very structured environment. If you've moved across within a a company from a division that had one culture into a division that has a very different culture, you may find yourself struggling in that regard, right? So do you have enough room to bring your style of self-leadership and value creation, given what the company type is and the stages and what the imperatives are, um, that are the operational imperatives that are going to drive the company's strategic agenda for what they're seeking to achieve at that time, right? The next piece that important on company is the company's culture right is a culture one that aligns with your values with the way that you like to work with the way that you tend to contribute your best assets to the table let's look at values as an example if one of your values is um, inclusivity and collaboration but you're working for a company that is very bureaucratic, very siloed, very hierarchical, where information isn't really shared, it's hoarded because information is capital and it is political capital. And it's something that people use to one up each other. Maybe the environment is extremely competitive. So if you have values that don't align with the main currency of performance and of achievement and advancement in your organization, you may not be a fit, right? And so you may start feeling like, can I cut it here? Am I too soft? You know, am I too pie in the sky, too humanitarian? People may see you as weak or lacking decisiveness or not... Um, incisive enough or not ambitious enough 
not because you aren't those things, but because your values are different and your values drive your behavior in significant ways. They inform how you lead your teams, the choices you make, where you decide to allocate capital, how you rate your employees, whether you think someone is great at what they do or not great at what they do. And so you may end up really struggling to demonstrate um, the performance metrics, right? And the performance characteristics that the company uses to identify leadership potential or leadership quality or contribution towards the bottom line. And so there you need to actually step back and say, is this company a good fit for me? Sometimes we join companies like these when we're when we're young and we're early in our careers because companies like that can tend to, you know, be really aggressive about growth, right? And really, really push performance. And in environments like that, you can learn a lot and learn very quickly and move very quickly through the ranks. And especially at a junior level where it's easier to get promoted based on your technical competence and delivery, you can, you can, it can, your performance can mask misalignment with values because you're not really being evaluated on the cultural fit aspects as much as you are in your ability to perform. So a company that may have been a good fit for you earlier in your career um, may then reveal itself as not a good fit because now you're being evaluated more on your values, your style, the way you lead. And that becomes more of the intangible aspects of who you are. Right. So that's something to look at for insight. The next place that you can look is your role. Are you in a role that helps you to contribute to the organization's bottom line in a way that optimizes the kind of work you want to do, the types of day-to-day activities that you want to be embroiled in, the type of work that actually inspires you. Let's say, coming back to MBTI, so I'm focusing a lot of this um, inquiry on your personality type. Um, I also talked a little bit about values, and I'm going to be weaving in all these different aspects of what your sources of meaning are, which I spoke about a little bit in episode two, and that I go very deep into in the Discover What Gives You Meaning workshop, link in the show notes, but you're going to see me weaving across all these different dimensions because those are the things that make you who you are, right? So just notice, you know, when I'm picking up on the different things, because I'm calling this out so that you can guide yourself through this process, right? I'm not saying that you need to go and sit with the coach and figure this out. You need to go buy my workshop in order to get these answers. No, I'm, I'm wanting to empower you, but if you want something more systematized and structured that takes you through the step-by-step flow, that's where you can go and, and look at the workshop. But let's talk about the role, right? So if your type of work is very detail-oriented, but your personality type, if I use MBTI, you're more of a big picture thinker, which is, um, so there's a dimension of MBTI that is, excuse me, that is the way that you um, identify value and opportunities and and kind of um, apply your mind to the world, right? There are people who are very detail-oriented, practically minded, right? And these are the people who, if they're looking at a model, they'll say, you know, what was assumption A, you know, that went into this answer? 
and they want you to know what assumption A was and they tend to look at that level of detail. This is an example where someone who's a much more big picture thinker will look at the total at the total output of the model and say, what does this mean? That's the first question they want to ask. Whereas a, a more detail oriented person first wants to get comfort in the detail before they, they start thinking about, well, therefore, what does this mean? Right. And so if you're in a role that has you married in a lot of detail oriented work, you may feel yourself not able to bring your best skills to the table because your best skills are actually the big picture thinking that is creating um, patterns across disparate pieces of information to actually then say, well, what is the so what, right? You may be someone who's much more visionary in your role. So you may want to be in a place where you're shaping how the company is um, identifying where opportunities lie next, right? And orienting itself towards that, telling stories, you know, um, shaping the direction, right? Whereas other people want to be like, you know, in, in, in the field, right? With their hands getting dirty, really touching the practical aspects of the business versus the intellectual big picture thinking aspects of the business, right? And so are you in a role where your primary activities and your primary value creation mandate is the mandate that's on the level that's exciting for you, right? Is it a big picture thinking mandate or is it a very detail oriented mandate? You see so many leaders and you see so many leaders that get promoted to leadership because they're really good at what they do in a detail-oriented delivery capacity and they have no capacity for the interpersonal leadership aspects, right? They're not great at leading other people. They're not really big picture visionary thinkers, but they're bomb-ass delivery machines. Now, they get promoted because the company is seeking to recognize their skill set, their value, their contribution to the organization. But then the moment they're promoted, they're pulled out of the very thing that made them rock stars and into the aspects that they're not as strong in. And then they struggle to continue to demonstrate value, right? And to contribute in the way that, you know, they uniquely really make an impact. And so these are people who possibly actually need to stay in their role. You can still advance someone in terms of salary, in terms of title, but the, the, the activities that they still do are the same. And there's ways to recognize performers like that without then saddling them with a whole bunch of activities that they're actually not good at and not skilled at and have no appetite for, right? And so... If you are one of these people that fall into one of these categories, you know, explore for yourself what has what has changed for you. Are you actually even enjoying being a leader or do you want to rather be an individual contributor? Do you rather want to be nestled within a structure where you can contribute in the way that you really, really enjoy contributing? Right. And this comes into the type of work where I've described, but it also comes into your positioning within the organization, right? So are you leading a team or are you an individual contributor? Are you positioned in the structure at a level where you are close enough to where decisions are being made if you're a person who really likes to be big picture, right? And who really likes to be, you know, in at the level of um, strategic decision-making, 
right? And and more far-reaching in scope, in um, problem-solving, in the nature of the problems that you are encountering on a daily basis, right? Are you positioned where you have access to and the ability to move around those types of issues and engage with peers who are grappling with those types of questions and will seek that input from you, right? Seek those strengths in you. Or are you in a position in the company where you don't have that influence and and, um, insight and your key metrics do not involve that at all? And so you want to think very thoughtfully about your positioning in your organization. And then you want to look at your daily activities because those daily activities really shape your lived experience. Your role may be touted as um, a big picture thinking role, but then you get mired in reporting, right? And data and analysis. And you don't, you actually find yourself then only really making big picture strategic decisions once or twice a year. And the rest of the time you're managing a minutia of delivery or operational or technical tasks, right? And so is that therefore supportive for you? And you getting stuck in that could be a function of your roles description, right? Or it could be a function of the organization and the way that it interprets that function that you're in. Because some organizations will see it in a very strategic light. Other organizations will see it in a little bit more of an operational light, right? Or it could be a function of how you're being managed, right? If you're managed by a very detail-oriented person or someone who doesn't feel secure in an answer unless there are reams of data behind it. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be making decisions with data. The question is, at what point do we have enough information to move forward, right? people's thresholds for comfort and security are different, right? You may find yourself mired in more detail than you want to be, for example. So these are some of the things that can start making you feel like you're not really able to be yourself and bring your greatest strengths to bear. And that can can mitigate your ability to really thrive in the environment that you're in. Now let's look at people and the interpersonal um, space that you're operating in. What team structure are you in? Are you, if you're an introvert, right? Now we're using MBTI again as the framework, we're going all the way up to the first dimension of MBTI, which is whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. If you're an introvert, but you're on a really big management team or a really big manco, and you're constantly interacting with people. My goodness, the way that introverts get so drained by, by interacting with people all day. They're not like me, right? I'm an extrovert. So my energy actually climbs the more I interact with people. But because I have a little bit of, of introversion in me, I think my mix might be something like 60-40. I do need to step back. Well, maybe not. It might be 70-30 whatever percentage of my introversion is, I do need to then step back and like have some time by myself (laughs) to discharge. And you see me doing that on the weekend where I just start running away from people and maybe I'll emerge once for a social interaction and the rest of the time I'm inverting because I am recharging. But then I can people all week without getting tired and it like feels amazing and energizing for me. So being in in a big team, but being able to do some individual work is important to me because I am quite autonomous and self 
self-led, right? But I like social interaction. I'm the person who's always involved in a lot of cultural activities in the organization, like the socials. I go to almost every social event if I'm available and things like that because I just love meeting people and that's where I get opportunities, right? That's where I also offer opportunities and my great expertise is in these vibrant social um, social networks. But if you're an introvert, that's absolutely not you. So if you're in an organization that is buzzy, buzzy, we're always doing this and that and you're required to show up. If you're a leader and you have to keep showing your face at things. If you're leading a big team because you're maybe in a flatter, structured organization, right? And your spans of control are quite wide, then you're going to feel possibly a lot of strain on you to extend your energy outwards where your energy naturally draws itself inwards towards you, right? If you're on a team that tends to brainstorm out loud, right? And you ideas are valued or your contribution to the team is measured by how vocal are you in a meeting, but you're an introvert and introverts tend to listen to everything people are saying, take everything in, thoughtfully consider, they, they sometimes will take notes, sometimes they're just ruminating, and then maybe they'll make that one contribution and that's like, wow, that was insightful. But the other tenjis in the room... <laughs> are out there chatting away and throwing ideas and like posturing right and and um challenging in the moment because extroverts think as they speak whereas introverts listen and then think internally in a more quiet space so they might take in all the information walk away from the meeting and then all their ideas start stacking up because that's how their energy works and so if you're in an environment where the way that you think and the way that your energy um, exerts itself or extends itself um, is not really valued, you're going to look like you're not contributing or you're going to look like you don't have anything to add. And unless you're with a leader who sees that in you and deliberately calls you out if you're an introvert or is able to spot who the extroverts are and say, thank you, Tenji, for your contribution. I'd really love to hear from Mike. <laughs> And then, you know, Tenji can like sit down and be like, oh, okay, I said enough. What does Mike have to say, right? Because it's not that extroverts don't want to hear from introverts. They actually really do. It's just that they're so comfortable sharing, right? And so if you don't have that around you, you may then struggle to be able to bring your best to the table. If you're in a place that values, and a lot of organizations are really hard on introverts because the more senior you get, there is a lot of emphasis on on-the-spot decision-making, right? But introverts aren't so great with that, right? They, they want to sit and ruminate on something a little bit, look at the data, think, prospect, especially also if you are an introvert and then you're a sensory-focused um, kind of um, data gatherer and, and thinker, right? Then you're going to want to hear what everyone is saying, step back and think about it, go look at all the detail and then come back with a perspective. Whereas if you're an extroverted big picture thinker, you can make a decision on the spot and you're quite comfortable possibly with more of the 80-20 answer, right? And you're willing to shoulder the risk, uh, the 20% risk that you might be wrong, right? And so this can create incongruence. And if you look then at what we're talking about here becomes things like your team structure and your leadership style, 
right? Like if a leadership style, this flows into leadership style and leadership style has aspects that are spoken about, but it also has aspects around your values, aspects around, um, excuse me, whether a leader has more of a, 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 bur a leadership approach that is will burn you out or one that creates enough spaciousness within the way that you work so that you can have more balance, right? If someone who's leading you is a little bit more insecure, you might find yourself being micromanaged, which means that people are expecting to hear from you all the time, check in all the time, say everything that you're doing all the time. And if you run autonomously, this can be hard. If you're a person who actually needs to unplug because you have a family or you, you have personal pursuits that you, you want to engage in, you have a rich life outside of work, but someone is constantly only thinking about work, this will compromise your ability to really be able to recharge right and energize and renew so that you can come back to work with you know the best of yourself to bring to the table and so the people aspect is another reason that it can be a little bit hard so how do you change your team structure right how do you influence the way that you're being managed and we'll talk about this a little bit um at the, you know in the next segment of this episode you know the last piece that's worth discussing is you know, your trajectory, right? I'm a very growth-minded person. I really value, um, I'm very ambitious. One of my top five values is growth. And so I need to be in an organization where I'm being challenged and being offered opportunities to try new things. My uh, growth and development and learning and skills development is being invested in. So I love going on trainings. I'm always raising my hand for things like that and making extra time for it. Like I subscribe to HBR and you know, some of my most fun lunch breaks or when I, you know, go take my lunch and my HBR and I go sit on a couch and just like read the latest article that's come out. And that keeps me feeling alive and electric, right? Because um, I, I am a very intellectually minded, ambitious, growth oriented person, but not everyone is like this, guys. And that's okay, right? You don't have to be growth minded. It is more about what you value because you might be someone who actually values just mastering a skill and then just being able to keep bringing it to the table in lots of different operational and contexts right and so once you've mastered your skill you may not need a lot of additional training but what you really value is a lot of different experiences and exposure right and so what is it that makes you feel enlivened and enriched and like you're growing as a person, I think we all kind of want to grow, but you can see that I'm already unconsciously bringing in the bias of my own value to the table in in this piece because I value growth so much. But if you don't and you're happy to chill, then you might feel stressed out by an environment that's always like trying to make you get certifications and you're like, enough of the certifications, can I just do my job? <laughs> Right. So is that a good fit for you? Right. Or is the organization not creating opportunities and pathways where you can grow? If you're in a very hierarch hierarchical environment that's, you know, quite static, right? Very family oriented organization where maybe people have been in the company for decades. You see this a lot with retailers in South Africa, for example, mining companies, you know, really more traditional um, sectors, basically sectors that 
are much older in the economy versus sectors that are newer in the economy, older companies versus younger companies, you do find then role progression can be harder because people stick in their roles forever, right? And they want to retire at this company. Promotions are few and far between. And so you can get stagnant. And so people people who are in organizations like these who then want to grow end up often having to pursue acquisition talent strategies in order to advance their careers, right? Which means that you'll shift to another company via a headhunter or, you know, an, a new role that's opened up somewhere else. And that's how you rise up the ladder because you don't have career growth opportunities where you are, right? And so the, the question is, are you in an environment that is the company and the way that it advances people, the way it invests in people, supportive of the things that you value or the type of contribution that you want to make and where you want to be um, in your company as you you know move forward or, or as you get older right and as you mature in your career so what I'm painting the picture of here is that there are many reasons that you may not be thriving and they may not all be your fault right but what's important is to be able to step back and look across these four dimensions that I mentioned and ask yourself you know what is what is in alignment and what is not in alignment, right? And so, you know, the next steps for you, having listened to, you know, this laundry list of things that you can consider, right, is to ask yourself, am I in the right space, therefore? And what isn't working, right? Because what you don't want to do is, like I said earlier, throw out the baby with the bathwater. What if the company, the role, and the people are awesome, but the growth trajectory is what's not a fit or what if you're growing and the type of work you're doing is amazing and you love the company but your team and interpersonal aspects aren't in alignment right are you going to throw away the whole company because of this one pain point right and so the question that you then must ask is well if i'm not in alignment where am i not in alignment and what can i do to shift that aspect into more alignment right? Is it so bad that it needs to change or is it a, a, an evil that I'm willing to live with? Because the reality is you won't always be able to be in 100% alignment 100% of the time in 100% of the situations you find yourself in. So something's got to give because we are living in reality and that's part of the growth that we're here to have, which is, you know, can we make the most of... Um, can we be resourceful? Can we be adaptive? Can we um, be able to pull the best out of what is possible on an 80-20 level, right? You don't want to be only 40% in alignment. You want to be something that's more like 80% in alignment. So if you are 80% in alignment, can you let go of the 20% that isn't in alignment? But if the 20% is a significant aspect to you, then that means if you use a weighting across each of these dimensions I shared, you might find that the people aspect is actually weighted at, uh, let's say, 50% across these dimensions for you because you're an extrovert or because you're, uh, you know, someone who is very like community oriented and you value community and connection. Therefore, right for you, something that is not going to be as, a, as much of a big deal for me. 
it will be a big deal for you, which means you need to shift that, right? So don't compare yourself to other people. Look at yourself and your own internal weighting in order to make the choice around does it need to change or not. The next thing you want to ask yourself is, do I need to exert more agency or co-creation energy in order to bring this thing into alignment, right? Sometimes we're playing a bit of a passive role and we get stuck in that role because we don't grow up commensurately with our advancement in the company because when we're much younger and in in earlier roles in the company we are in in a more passive receiving role right where we just have to take the company as it is but as you get more senior you have more ability to shape and influence and so are you actually exerting that agency and your personal power to shift the environment that you're in and you might be exactly what the environment needs in order to adapt and evolve into something more supportive of not just you but also the other people who are like you or who have also been craving or needing this shift in order to enable them to bring their best to the table so don't shy away from the opportunity to play a a stronger role in creating what you desire to seek And then the next question you want to ask yourself is, well, do I need to grow, right? If, if things aren't very much in alignment for me, it is not always because it's not a good fit for who I am. Sometimes it's because I need to expand and grow, right? But that becomes then an internal challenge for why you're not in alignment. So you should also always explore that, right? And say, you know, am I saying, oh, I need to leave this meritocracy because I need to be in a place, and and it's going to sound because everyone is supposed to want to be in a meritocracy, but some people actually don't do well in environments like that because the characteristics that they demand of you, they demand entrepreneurship, self-leadership, self-promotion, etc., that some people just really don't want to do or uncomfortable with doing. And so a meritocracy may not be the right place for you. And you might thrive better in a hierarchy and rather go there because it's going to be easier for you. But if you love everything else about the company, right, and you're now being, you know, uh, invited into the growth of being more entrepreneurial or being more self-managed and taking more ownership of your own development, then will you answer the invitation and say, yes, let me grow in taking self-ownership and not being parented by, you know, my manager? Or will you say, no, I actually want to stay the same and and rather therefore leave, right? So that's another question you must ask yourself. And that's a tough one to answer, but it, it, it can yield great benefits for you if you answer that question. And then the last piece is therefore, if none of the above is true, do I need to go? Is this the wrong place for me? Am I unable to thrive here? Am I not going to be able to fulfill my highest potential because there is too much of an incongruence between this company and what it focuses on and the way that it generates value and what it appreciates and values in people, how it is set up to enable delivery and performance and contribution and the way that I naturally move, right? So there is no flow here. I cannot thrive here. Then give yourself the permission to leave. But if you leave, make sure that you're very clear on where the misalignments were so that when you seek your next opportunity, you're asking the right questions to ensure you don't end up in the same mess, right? So let yourself become very, very astute at discerning whether a new opportunity is going to be a fit and give yourself permission to ask the tough questions of, 
whoever the hiring manager is there, whoever the CEO is, the leaders that you're going to be speaking with, because the more senior you are, I mean, you have tons of interviews at that level. And so in that conversation, you have to play a very active role in also interviewing the company and not just interviewing them on things like what are their strategic priorities? Are they going to value your skills? Do they value diversity? Some of the you know, top line questions, but you have to go very deep into how do they work. You might have to do a lot more research on the internet and looking at things like glass door reviews, etc., around what people are saying about the culture. Look in the news about some of the scandals they get involved in or embroiled in, some of the things that you hear leaders saying, because that will tell you a lot between the lines about what your experience would be like in this new organization and whether you'd be enabled and set up and aligned to be able to thrive. All right, so I hope that this has been helpful for you. I've thrown a lot of information at you, but like I said, you know, if this is something you want to go deeper on or you want to take a really structured look, there are many more dimensions to this thing that I capture in um, the Discover What Gives You Meaning workshop. And I... I'm going to create a list of reflection questions you can ask yourself that you can actually download here. I really hope I go link it, um, but I think I, I definitely will. So just check the show notes and see if I've put it in there <laughs> because I'm still trying to decide whether I want to actually pull this out or um, embed it into the Discover What Gives You Meaning workshop. So look at both places if you want to go deep on this. And as always, I'm here as your coach if you want to do a much more personalized journey. Until next time, you know, with the greatest permission to be you, because my dream, as I said in episode one, is that we're all able to be the truth of who we are and let this bring us abundance and let this allow us to thrive. This is then the work of how we bring ourselves into alignment. It's not fantasy land. It's not fantasy world where we just wake up and we're like, I just want to effortlessly flow as me. Guys, where companies were created and the way cultures were determined back in the day, right, that are, are sometimes inherited by the organizations we work for now is that people were seen as cogs and machines, right, here to just deliver, here to focus on the work, here to put our heads down and get things done. And now we are now awakening. We are coming and saying, well, I want more from work. I want to feel more abundant. I want to feel more in flow. And that means there is work for us to do to create these things for us. So what I'm talking about is not a pipe dream. If you are able to step back and be strategic and intentional enough, give yourself enough permission to let yourself be out of alignment and let yourself say, maybe this place is not the right place for me and I'll go and find home. Or let yourself take up the space that says, hi, I want to ask for what I need. Hi, manager, the way you're managing me is not supportive for the way that I think and I move. Can we do things a bit differently, right? Obviously, you want to do that in a really politically correct way and you want to be mindful and thoughtful about your approach. But the crux of it is, are you willing to go create the conditions for your thriving or are you just going to accept what the status quo is and just believe that it is not possible for you to thrive because I firmly believe that if you do some of these things you can have a much better experience in your work environment and in your work situation as a leader and I have seen clients that I've coached start having a much better time and performing so much better in their roles when they do this work with me. So I hope you'll be brave. I hope you'll take the leap and I would love to hear how it goes for you. All right, until next time, keep leading abundantly. 
I'm excited to share the launch of Discover What Gives You Meaning, a 90-minute workshop that will help you to get to the heart of who you uniquely are and what matters most to you and what enables you to thrive so that you can use this information to create a career that's more fulfilling in purpose and sustainable for you. Being your powerful, authentic, confident self is the key to attracting aligned career opportunities, building trust-based relationships and support networks, and achieving high performance and lasting leadership impact. Many of us spend our early careers building skills, solving for financial security, working hard to fit into corporate culture, and sacrificing a lot to achieve our aspirations. But when we've achieved all of that, we find that something is missing, and we're not quite as fulfilled as we thought we'd be, or we're deeply burnt out. Discover what gives you meaning, helps you to return to the heart of who you are and translate this information into what it means for the type of career, company, role, and way of working that is a good fit for who you are and the life you want to create for yourself. Then it gives you practical, immediate steps to bring yourself into more alignment with your truth. This is the path to abundance. If this is what you're looking for, Visit tenjimoyana.com forward slash discover what gives you meaning or click the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope it's inspired you to take action that brings you closer to leading as the truest version of your abundant self. If you enjoyed this episode, please would you consider leaving a five-star rating and following the podcast? It really helps other people like you to find me and benefit from this free leadership resource. Yours in abundance. Until next time.